that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And we got a chance to talk with Ryan Day on Monday. We were originally expected to talk with him on Wednesday coming off of that first fall camp scrimmage on Saturday. But he decided to switch some things up just so he could get ahead out on some things and talk about that scrimmage on Monday. And coming out of that first scrimmage, maybe most of us were expecting, not necessarily for Ohio State to name a starting quarterback, but at least start down that road of naming one with, if we're comparing this to 21, he used the word separation when it came to C.J. Stroud. He hinted that C.J. was creating separation in that battle. And then literally a week, that coming off of that second scrimmage, which was probably three or four days after that, he named C.J. Stroud the starting quarterback. That did not happen this time. Instead, Nathan, he used a different set of words to describe how this quarterback battle is going coming out of that first fall camp. What did Ryan Day have to say? Yeah, I mean, the way that I talked about it when I wrote up, it's, you know, the the S word was not as important as the C word, which is consistency. He's still not seeing the consistency that he wants from uh, either of these two players, either Comcord or Devin Brown. Um, obviously, we didn't get to watch Saturday scrimmage. He sort of walked us through period by period, what he thought happened in all of those uh, cases. And there was third down, there was red zone, there was um, move it, which is like, you know, um, working on sustaining drives. There's, you know, coming out uh, period. And, you know, it isn't that he isn't seeing good things. He's just not seeing enough of them. And I don't know that I'm, if I think that should be an alarming thing for Ohio State fans, but it certainly isn't necessarily a, uh, it doesn't make you feel good. I'm sure at this point, like you'd like to be hearing the opposite. I think Ryan day would like to be saying the opposite, but I think he is as, as has been the case throughout this whole thing. There's no reason to put an artificial timeline on this. And there's no reason to change your standards to pretend that something's happening. That isn't he's, he's still waiting to, for one of these two guys, not even so much to separate from the other, and I think that was the other important thing that came across today. It's not which one is doing himself plus X better than what the other guy is doing. It's which one is reaching closer towards the standard of quarterback play that he thinks Ohio State has to have. They didn't talk in a way that made it seem like anybody is separating right now. To Nathan's point, he didn't necessarily say that it was a good or a bad thing. He just said it, it's it's a – it's. Not equal wasn't the word he used, but it's very much a head-to-head battle that's going on in the situation. And you're coming to into this. We marked it down that we think Colin McCord is going to win the starting quarterback battle. It feels like the world has kind of hint has kind of leaned towards Colin McCord's going to win this battle, or at least expecting that to happen. Even if the people in the building whose decision matters the most when it comes to this haven't come out and said that, or even haven't really hinted at that idea, is it a good thing? that after one scrimmage, it's not in a situation where we feel like it's still head-to-head, or one, excuse me, not head-to-head, but somebody hasn't created separation. Is that more about Devin Brown and maybe what he's been able to show as a guy who didn't get a chance to throw a pass and really doesn't have a lot of experience? Or should be people looking at this as, what is Kyle McCord not doing as a guy in his third year in the program, and he still hasn't created separation in this quarterback battle despite being here a year longer? I don't think it's or. 
uh, I hate to kind of do a cop out, but I think it has to be a little of both. Yeah. Like if, I mean, Devin, I mean, everybody kind of thought that comma cord was the guy, like you said, and everybody thought through the spring and, you know, where was talking to you guys and, you know, oh, it seemed like Kyle McCord was the better quarterback in the spring and everything you read was Kyle McCord was better. Kyle McCord was better here. Kyle McCord had the lead here, blah, blah, blah. And I think it could, I think it could very well be both, right? Like to, to what Nathan was saying, I think it's not concerning, but it's, it's unsettling. I think a little bit, if you're an Ohio State fan sitting there, you know, kind of monitoring this situation, because, you know, I, I talked about this when we did our stand-up videos afterwards, you know, you are at a point now where you have less than three weeks until week one and you're getting dangerously close to game plan territory for Indiana. And that is, I mean, when you're at that point of the season, you kind of want to have an idea and it doesn't sound like Ryan day has an idea. Well, okay. Let me, let me rephrase it. I'm not saying he doesn't have an idea of what he's doing. I'm saying it does. He doesn't have an idea of what, is going to happen at quarterback. And I think that that's problematic in that, you know, by this point you wanted to hear and see and hear about somebody and, you know, learn about somebody who, Hey, this guy looked really good in this scrimmage. This guy did this really well, or this guy's really grown in the off season or whatever it is. I don't think Ohio state fans really would have cared who it was as long as somebody was doing it. And it kind of sounds like nobody has, there was a question that it was posed to uh, to Ryan. I thought it was a really good one where, you know, somebody asked, hey, is it, you know, two guys going at each other head to head that are just, you know, they're both playing so well, or is it two guys who still have a lot to learn and they're still kind of working through some things? And, and Ryan said it's a little bit in the middle of that. And I think that that's interesting to note just because that tells you that he doesn't dislike what he's seeing from either of these guys. It's just that when you talk about this quarterback battle, it's not like like Nathan said and like he said it's not to the level of Ohio State quarterback play that you would expect so yeah i th- i think unsettling is probably the best word at this point because when we talked about this you know i've said for a while i don't think that there should be a timeline on this i don't think that there should be kind of a day where you want to have everything settled by but by this point you would have hoped and thought that Ohio State would kind of have an answer or at least leaning uh, leaning to have an answer, and, and it doesn't sound like that's the case right now. So, Nathan, you asked this, this line of question of basically asking Ryan Day to take you through how they went through the scrimmage on Saturday, you know, the period by period, and he kind of ma- he mapped out what those periods were like. So, one, take us through that the answer that he gave to that question, but then also – Based off that answer and based on the way Ryan Day was talking today, how should fans feel right now about where Ohio State's quarterback battle is based off of Ryan Day's work, regardless of who wins the battle? How should they feel about how this is going? The second one is, I'll come back to the second one. So, okay, well, let's go through the first part, I guess, first. Just what he said about those scenarios, because... He, he wasn't exactly praising anything that happened on Saturday. There was right. a little bit as it related to the defense, actually. The defense got a shout-out on, I guess, how the third down package went. But for the most part, this wasn't a any kind of a, a rousing uh, assessment, I, I wouldn't say. Um, he talked about, so the first thing was the first and second down period. And he said, that was solid. I thought they did well. That was about as eff- you know effusive as he got in a lot of ways. Uh, the next was a call, what they call a move it period. He said it was hot and cold. There were some things that were good. 
Didn't really see the consistency you would want out of a starter, but they did some good things. Moved the team up and down the field a couple times. Uh, Three was a third down period. The defense did a great job there. There was improvement from the first few third down periods we've had on offense, but still not what we need to be. Next was a coming out period. I thought for the most part, the quarterbacks took care of their job and did their part there. And five red zone period. It was okay. Wasn't great on either end. Those were like the five periods that he laid out for us. And what I think you're hearing there is not him saying that anything is bad because he definitely went on to explain that they're seeing good things there. He likes the, I'm trying to think of the way he put it. He sees the ability there. He's not seeing efficiency. He's not seeing like the repeatability of a lot of things. And it's why I keep coming back to something I've been talking about for months as it relates to the quarterback battle. And that's the analogy, I guess, is like, um, I'm thinking back to like you're you're picking food for your wedding, like you're picking your wedding cake, right? And you're picking between like two different bakers or whatever, and they both made these like really ornate, beautiful cakes, and they both are delicious. It's not that you're picking, you're not you're trying to find out which, like neither one of them is bad. You're just trying to make the decision of which one is better for your situation, your scenario. Maybe there's a better analogy out there that works along the same lines, but that's what I'm hearing more from Ryan Day. It's like, you have high standards for what this is, so something can't just be good. Something has to be great. It's like, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. Like, you're picking the starting quarterback for this team one time. You're inviting hundreds of thousands of people every season, every week, every game of the season, and you're putting on this show, and these guys need to be up to that standard. So. We have seen in practice at times where it looked like Kyle McCord had an upper hand. Is it does it surprise me to be at this stage and him not have put that away a little bit? But also, again, I don't think it's about distancing himself from Devin Brown. I think it's always been about closing the gap between himself and what CJ Stroud was on opening day 2021, what Justin Fields was on opening day 2019, and so forth back through the lists. Well, I think to to your point, though, I think that there is a little bit of an element of I think his exact quote was making routine plays, right? right. Like I, I think that there is a little bit of an element to that where it's you know yeah the standard is really high, but the standard is really high. Like I mean, what's the you hear this all the time about uh, you know whatever whenever like a, it's very coach speak, but like you know great players make the routine plays, and it kind of sounds like that is is one of the big gripes that he has right now with the, with these two guys is that you know we use the example where you know you have two or three completions in a row and then you can't throw an interception off of that so it does kind of sound like that there is a little bit of we need the basics to be kind of mastered first and then we can go on from there I, I mean it sounds like you know you're seeing good things but there's not that level of you know just every every simple throw is being made is is kind of what I took from that yeah but I also don't think it, it like basics we need to make sure we're talking about it because I don't. It's not like he's. It's not like they're tripping over themselves out there. Yeah, I right. don't think it's 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 it's. About, I think they might be pushing. I, I think, think that is I, definitely I happening. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I don't think it's a it's a fundamentals issue. I don't think it, I, I think they have the fundamentals down. They I, yeah. I think they're pushing. I think this is a quarterback competition still, and the longer this goes on, I think it's they're pushing. Two one of these guys has been through a quarterback battle already, and he lost it. 
and he probably doesn't want to lose another one. So he's probably pushing. And the other guy probably doesn't want to have to wait another year to sit, to, to, to compete again. So they're probably pushing. So while you're pushing, that's where a lot of these mistakes are probably coming from. Yeah. That's where the routine plays. That's why they put, that's why he's probably pushing the routine plays. CJ Stroud said this back last spring when he was entering his second spring, his first spring coming off of his first year as a starting quarterback. And he talked about how he was watching a Peyton Manning doc on YouTube. And the one thing that he was learning from that, that he was even struggling with at times was taking the boring stuff, taking the routine stuff, because everybody wants to make the play that makes everybody go, Whoa, that guy's a pretty good quarterback. And you have to learn and train yourself to take the boring stuff, which can be the routine stuff, especially when you're in an offense like this where you have receivers and running backs and tight ends who can make routine stuff look make look really good. And when you're in a competition like this and you're trying to, back to that S word, separate yourself, it can get really easy to try to separate yourself by pushing and trying to do things that aren't there and making something happen that's not there. When, as they has said time and time again, they don't have to do that. They can just do the simple stuff and move the ball down the field. So that's how I took it. I didn't take it as there are simple things that they can't do. It's just there are simple things they're not doing because they're so focused on trying every so often to do the spectacular. What, yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I was trying that. to say. Like, you know, instead of, you know, you're you're working from the top down or whatever it is on a read and all of a sudden you see a safety coming over the top, don't try and force a throw to the corner route. Take the dump off to the tight end. Take you know, take the swing route to the to the running back. That that was what I was kind of alluding to. So Yeah, I mean he even said along the lines like this isn't about making spectacular plays. Yeah. I think Steven, you said it well there. It's about making getting the ball efficiently to all the guys who will make spectacular plays. And it's not that you don't want a quarterback who can make spectacular plays, but that's got to be the second stage of things. And and the the lack of there's not really a a judgment on a lack of consistency with that. Cuz that's all born of like the moment. The moment has to sort of arrive, right? It's it, I think it's more about the lack of efficiency, the lack of consistency. You're going to see that more on just those things that Oh, you tried to do too much on second down, and now it's third down. Like, if you had just made the easy play, it keeps this offense more on track so that you have an easier job on third down. Like, just little things like that that are still being refined. And it's not—it's not great that it's still going on in camp. I'm not gonna—I'm not putting a spin on this that there's like a good thing that that neither Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is doing that to the extent that Ryan Day is excited about. I, there's not a positive about that necessarily, except that he is talking about the competition that both these guys, he feels like these guys are working hard and competing hard. And if you get to opening day with two starting caliber quarterbacks, that's more valuable than giving a fan base or maybe even your team the security of knowing who the starting quarterback is on August 14th. I think that's where, if you're a fan, where you're re you're I mean if you're getting our text 614-350-3315 and you're reading those texts or if you're seeing it on Twitter but more importantly if you're seeing it through the text because sign up for the text man if you're reading that information and you're taking it as a uh-oh I didn't get a feeling from Ryan Day today and then the other time he's talked about the quarterback because it's been asked a couple of times it was asked today I asked him when we got him in the little huddle back in the Big Ten media days about it there's there's two different types of battles, right? When you're in a situation like this, when it's close, there's the 
I don't know which one of these guys to pick because neither one of these guys are it for me. And then there's the, oh my God, they're just battling so hard. I don't know which one to pick. And he got asked that question again today. And he said it's a little bit somewhere in the middle, but everything else he has said so far has, even if it's in the middle, maybe it's leaning towards the more optimistic look than the pessimistic look. So to your point, Nathan, if the goal is to come out of this with two, you know, starter level caliber, Ohio State caliber starting level quarterbacks, it seems like that's happening. It's just one guy isn't creating the level of separation the same way that Justin Fields did when, quite frankly, there was no need. There was already separation because he's Justin Fields and the other two weren't. While with C.J. Stroud, he had done so much for nine months to create that separation. That's not happening this time around. But maybe this is a bigger conversation. Maybe that's a good thing going forward when you recruit a room the way Ohio State does, that every single time it's not going to be this guy created gaps and gaps and levels of separation just because there's multiple talented guys going at that. Andrew, you'll get to this place too, uh, where you, when when he says things, when Ryan Day says things, when other assistants say things, the context in which they say them makes you think things. <laughs> I'm sure Zach Taylor had that on the Bengals beat. Well, I, I, here's the example I bring it up. So when today he was asked another one of these questions about consistency, and he said something along the lines of, "You can't make the right play two or three times in a row and then throw an interception. That's not good enough." And it really does make me think, like, was there one interception that happened on Saturday mm-hmm. that bothered Ryan Day so much that he would have named the starting quarterback if not for that one interception that happened on Saturday? Like, maybe somebody had a better day overall and was, like, really close, but then they did one really stupid thing. And I honestly think that if that's true, uh, again, I think I think that's a good thing for Ryan Day. You got to – like, this is – they're trying to do something. They're trying to thread a needle here. Like we take for granted how easy it is sometimes for Ohio State to win 12 games or win 11 games and lose the right game that still gets you into the playoff and then they'll show up and win in the play. Like it's it, this is so hard. It's so hard. And they have to keep the standards this high. So I I I keep looking at this through that lens more than any sort of emotional reaction right now from like a fan perspective of why don't they have a starting quarterback yet? What's why hasn't Kyle McCord pulled away? What's wrong with Kyle? How, what is Kyle McCord deficient in that he hasn't been named the starting quarterback yet? And maybe we'll, maybe it'll turn out to be that Kyle McCord isn't even named the starting quarterback, but I still think of it more as one of these guys will be named the starting quarterback. Ohio State knows it has a starting quarterback. The only goal that matters is pushing both of them to be the best version of whatever that quarterback is. Well, I think, you know, the the example that I was kind of thinking of today was it, it's a little bit like basketball, I guess, where, you know, you have the quarterback as the point guard. You don't necessarily need in game one for this point guard to go out there and drop 25 on some other dude's head. Like you need, you have two great scorers on your offense. You have a few other great scorers on your offense. Get them the ball you know, facilitate the offense. Don't make any mistakes. Don't turn the ball over, get them the ball, calm things down. And then if you can add a little bit more to your game over the course of the year, if you can add a jump shot. If you can drive and kick a little more, you can do kind of those things. And I think that was kind of what I was thinking of where it's, you know, you don't need 
a ton out of this. You know, there, there's a quote from um, of the of the movie Friday Night Lights where uh, you know one of the players. Never heard of it. Never heard of the movie. It's my favorite movie and book of all time. Um, but uh, they, the, Brian Chavez looks at Mike Winchell, the quarterback, and says, all you got to do is exist in those three seconds between the snap and getting Booby the ball. That's, the, that's one of the, I love that quote because I'm not saying that that's all the quarterback has to do, but you've got to exist in that few seconds and just make sure that you can make the simple plays, get the ball to the receivers, and you're going to be fine. And I think that that is one of the things like I think now, I mean, I think Nathan has a really good point there because there was just this one interception where, um, you know, maybe that, you know, really ticked Ryan Day off because it's in yeah. Ryan, it's got to be in Ryan Day's head, right? Where he's looking at the receivers that they have and looking at the running backs and the weapons that you have offensively and saying, if we don't turn the ball over, if we don't beat ourselves, we are going to beat a lot of teams on our schedule if not all of them, if we don't turn the ball over. So I think that that's probably part of it. So I, yeah, just if you can do the simple stuff well for Ohio State, especially with the first few games that you've got, I think the schedule kind of times up nicely for a uh, for kind of growing into that role. Well, and, and also, he keeps bringing up situational football. And I, I think this all plays together because I think that for a significant portion of a game, like first and ten with Ohio State's offense at the thirty-five yard, its own thirty-five yard line against Indiana is not a situation. That's just <laughs> are you, you going to score a touchdown here, or are you going to get a first down here? Like yeah. it's not a situation really. But what I imagine, what I'm hearing him when he talks about situational football is so so that's that's letting the routine be the routine. Go out and be the facilitator for this offense. But at some point in a game, at some point in a season for sure, maybe not every game, but in a season, your quarterback does have to step up and 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 exploit a situation and succeed in a situation. And if they're doing that 75% of the time in practice, that's not bad football. That's maybe not even football that costs Ohio State multiple games over the course of a year, but maybe that's not, and I'm just picking numbers out of my head. Um, who knows what, you know, Ryan Day hasn't given us his criteria, but like that may not be his criteria. Maybe it has to be 90% of the time, 95% of the time. You know, they grade guys out at, at you know, to be a champion, you've got to be what, 80% uh, or higher on the grade. So like, that's what, it, that's the thing I would keep in mind if I'm a fan is that it's not, it's not that everybody at Ohio State is looking up palms up being like, do we have a crisis here? Is there no quarterback? Have we really blown this thing? It's not that. It's simply a matter of nobody has clicked into that last gear yet that they're pushing for. And I'm not, again, that's not a good thing, but it's also not bad yet. Well, I think I the part si- of the, oh, go ahead, Steven. I thought the situational thing is a good point because when he was breaking down the different periods they were talking about, when he said third down period, one, he, Praise the defense for how well they were. I mean, which is, I mean, we've seen that issue from this defense in the past, not being able to get off the field on third down. And it got better last year, but it still, you know, needs another step. But he also said that the offense has shown some improvement, but it's still not where they need it to be. And to your point of situational football, there's going to come a time when you need your quarterback to not just be your point guard. At some point, he's got to be a playmaker. If it's third and seven against Penn State in the fourth quarter, and you got to have it. And do they have it? 
right? Whatever that is. With Justin, most of, uh, sometimes it was with his legs and getting outside the pocket. With CJ, it was I just diagnosed your entire defense, snapped the ball, got it out of my hands in .7 seconds, and now we're 40 yards down the field. Whatever that looks like for what their skill set is, when you got to have something, what do you do? And if he's talking about 10 practices in the fall camp, they're still not where they need to be on third down situations. Maybe that's where the situational part is. It's probably showing up in other places, but maybe that's where he's talking about. That's part of the reason why there isn't separation, because that is a very key thing for a quarterback to be able to do. Well, I think going back to what Nathan said, I think one of the reasons this might be taking so long, or I guess could take so long, I should say, is that I am of the belief that with this quarterback battle, you can't kind of do the okie doke every week with, ah, who they're going to start this week, or, hey, maybe it's a Devin Brown series or a Devin Brown quarter or a comic. Like, I don't, you can't do that. Now, I, I've made this case before that I think the schedule kind of works out a little nicely in that regard. But you've yeah. got Indiana, Youngstown State, Western Kentucky. With all due respect to those teams, the closest line on that game, I believe, is probably going to be Indiana, and that's 27 and a half. So I, they're not even going to offer a Youngstown State line, obviously. So, you know, like you're talking about three games that Ohio State is going to win probably by many, many touchdowns in a game where you can probably leave in the second quarter when Ohio State's up 35 to nothing. The Notre Dame game is interesting because you play Notre Dame and then you have a bye week. So I've made this case before, like I said, where you're not, I don't think going to learn anything, you know, super, you know, it's it, nothing's going to sway you incredibly one way or the other in, in the first three weeks, I don't believe against either of those teams. When you play Notre Dame, that's going to be a first real big test. And then you get a bye week, but you don't want to be doing this thing where you're, okay, well, we don't know. And okay, maybe, you know, we start Kyle McCord and he didn't play that well against Notre Dame. Now, what do we do? We have a bye week. Maybe we start Devin against Maryland. Like, I think one of the reasons that, you know, you might want to play this out is because you better be sure, because I don't think you can keep doing this. You want a guy to develop. You want a guy to evolve into this role and grow into this role. I don't think it's beneficial for either of these guys to go, okay, well, you know, we, we started Kyle for the first four games and yeah, we're four and oh, but we thought we could be a little better. So Devin's going to get the start against Maryland and Purdue and see where we're at. And then you're going into Purdue. I don't think you can do that unless it's so bad he, where you have to make and change. He, and he's not going to do that. He's not. Agreed. They're going to, at some point they're going to pick a starter and they're going to roll with that starter unless it looks so obviously yeah. terrible that they have to go to the other guy. Because yeah, we, we've I, asked that before. I understand we keep asking the questions along the line of a two-back quarterback system, but he's not going to go down that road because we asked him to go down, about going down that road when CJ was going through his struggles and he didn't do it. Well, it was a different situation with Stroud a little bit, though. Um, somewhat. Because the, the, there was separation there sooner than there has been in this one, too. So I think it's it's completely possible to get that far five, five weeks into a year. I think especially if you were to lose to Notre Dame. Because I just wrote a piece for, our, for Cleveland.com slash OSU, kind of looking back at some of these instances that have happened over the last 20 years or so. And there have been several times where, like, you get three or four games in the year, you'd lose a big game, and all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, now we should start Terrell Pryor. Yeah, we should. We probably should start uh, Troy Smith or whoever, you know what I mean? Like, sometimes it, it that's the eye-opener. I'm not predicting that at all, and I, but I'm just saying that I think if you're Ryan Day, you do have to be open to that 
that sort of sure. decision at that point. But I think you're right that it's not it's not going back and forth. It would be making a decision that you think is probably permanent at that point. Let me ask you guys yeah. this question because I want to make sure that I think perspective is important here. So in 2021, Ohio State named um, Ryan Day said on August 16th that that CJ Stroud had separated. He named him the starter five days later. That August 16th press conference, whenever we talked to him, was two days after the preseason scrimmage, just like today was. But he didn't make an announcement today. But I want to talk about C.J. Stroud for a minute. So C.J. Stroud opened the season at Minnesota. His first Big Ten game was a Thursday night road game. His first career start was a Thursday night road game against an a, a good Big Ten opponent. He wasn't in veteran, very yeah, very veteran in comparison to what Ohio yeah. State had that year. But 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 just a better but just a better program. Minnesota is a better yeah. program than Indiana. Indiana is one of the worst programs in Power Five. Minnesota's good. C.J. Stroud that night. And I had forgotten some of the exact details of all of this. Ohio State's down 14 to 10 at halftime of that game. So that's CJ yes. Stroud's big debut. You're down 14 to 10. You, you end up, you're a Heisman Trophy finalist at the end. Things, things are okay at the end, but you're down 14 to 10 at halftime. CJ Stroud's stats that night, if you take out the Trevion Henderson 70 yard screen pl- pass, which I gave the quarterback. Like out of a out of a scale one to ten, I give the quarterback like a one point five credit on a play like that. I'll, so you take, I'll, I'll let me go. I, I don't know why I was watching that game, but I was. I'll give it a three and a half because it was actually a pretty difficult throw that he had. He had to have some touch on that throw, but to okay. your, the rest of the work is done by Travion Henderson running a four three. The, the, the yardage I'm I'm not giving to yes. to Stroud. That's not correct. I mean, the completion, whatever. So if you take that play out. C.J. Stroud went 12 of 21 for 224 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Like, do I think that either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown could tonight go to Indiana and be better than 12 of 21 for 224 yards and only one interception? Yes, I think they both could. I think they both would do at least that well. So, now, that's, that's relative to opponent. But I think it should also remind people that we are so, and we, I say we, we, the three of us, all 300 people that cover this team, however many it is, like, we're, we're all like waiting with bated breath for Ryan Day to say, this is the guy. I understand. It's a big piece of news, and it tells us a lot about the makeup of this team and its identity for this season. However, it's still, the, the process doesn't end when that starter is named. The development has to continue, and the the there's there's a whole thing that's going to happen at that point where now you're giving that person the bulk of the reps with the ones, and the development can even accelerate at that point. So I would just remind people that it's again I'm saying it's not a good thing that they don't have that separation yet. It's not a good thing that they're not playing consistently enough yet, but it's all relative to that standard. And I think from everything we've seen and heard, and even the way Ryan Day talks about the underlying skills that these guys have. This isn't, we're not edging up to a crater of some kind right now. It just feels like that a standard like that, that opening night standard that Stroud had at Minnesota, I don't think that is distant. I think it's just a matter of finishing the job. I think that's a very good point. And I don't think just, I don't think Justin Fields' stats were that much crazier against Florida Atlantic. In 2019, I think I remember he had like a 60-yard touchdown run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like Wyatt Davis created the largest hole I've ever seen in my life. But just 
it's not he wasn't Ford Atlantic. Okay. 18 of 25 for 234 and four touchdowns. Again, so let's the first time he plays a power five team then, a Big Ten team, because Florida Atlantic is just not that, and Cincinnati just like didn't show up to play that day. Against Indiana, as a matter of fact. On the mm-hmm. road at that. Yeah. Yep. 14 yep. of 24 for three touchdowns, four carries for 11 yards and one touchdown. So kind of the, for the player he is, is very kind of similar. Neither one of these quarterbacks were over 60% completing completion ratio when both of these guys lived around 70 for their career here. So, and that's what we do have to remember here. We're not, we're not, no one's going to compare whoever wins this starting job to what CJ Stroud and Justin Fields were in college football playoff games. At least I hope no one is doing that. We're going to compare game one against a Big Ten opponent Kyle McCorder, Devin Brown to game one against a Big Ten opponent of C.J. Stroud and Justin Fields. And then from there, if you want to go, okay, where was Justin Fields in week nine? Where was C.J. Stroud in week nine? And where is this next quarterback at? Fine. But I agree with you. Do I think that Kyle McCord or Devin Brown can go up and put up those Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud numbers against a lower level Big Ten team? Well, even if it's on the road with the weapons they have, yes, very easily. Because everything about that, both of those statistics say it was more about the weapons than it was them. The question is, do we see things, and is Ryan Day seeing things where as it gets more consistent, it can turn into what we saw Justin Fields and C.J. Stroud be at the end of their careers? I think that's two totally different questions. And I think the latter question is why we're in this position right now where Maybe we were expecting Ryan Day to come out here and say someone has created separation, and he didn't say that today. Andrew, well, do you agree or concur? Because well, Nathan's I, shaking I, his head like he agrees. I was going to follow up with a question. Mm-hmm. What look, I mean, we only talked to Ryan. I think we talked to Ryan next Wednesday on the twenty. Yes. What day would that be? The twenty third. Um, yeah. So we talked. Like, when does this become a problem? Do you think? Like, we're, we're we've said this right now. Like. It, I, Nathan said it's not concerning, but it's something to monitor. What I forget what exact phrase. I said it was unsettling. Like however you want to phrase it. Like when does this become okay? Now there's an issue. I think that's a fair question. I I don't think it's this week. No, and I think you know they they already today the press conference we had today was also originally scheduled for Wednesday, and it was funny that like that Ryan Day was asked, could you have named the starter today? Like if mm-hmm. if you had seen what you wanted to see on Saturday, would you have named the starter? And he still kind of said, ah, I don't know, it's, it's a little early. It was like which, it was like a which yeah, makes sense but because he, he, it was kind of like it, yeah, I could have, but I wasn't going to kind of answer. Well, but again, just think back to twenty twenty one. He didn't name yeah. CJ Stroud the starter right after the first preseason scrimmage. He just gave the the code like we've definitely seen some separation there, and you're still trying. Now I know he's not saying the separation thing yet, which again I'm not saying that's good. I think you would like to see separation from someone. It would help this offense be farther along for opening day if that were happening. But I think if I think it it depends. The question that maybe didn't get asked today. And it was kind of on my list of things to ask, and it, it I had other things I had to ask. But at, at what point, like, you have some other things at play here. You have a, a starting center relationship that has to um, develop, and it's a first-year starting center. You have, you know, a, 
trying to build a rapport with these receivers when you didn't have all the first team reps in the past couple of years, the way CJ Stroud did like, and you have some, but you want to, I think, solidify that. And you think you want to take that to another level. So I don't think it can go on forever. I don't think it can go up to opening day. I don't think you can do the urban Meyer. Hey, we just got to Virginia tech. Who's going to mm-hmm. be our starter. Like as you're walking out on the field, I don't think that makes any sense. And I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think Ryan day wants that either. I think you can tell that Ryan day is Ryan day is eager to have someone show him the thing that lets him come in and say, okay, fine, you schlubs. It's this guy. All right. Like it's this guy. Like he finally did it. Go do your podcasts, go do your stand up videos, go write your posts. I'm telling you, it's him. I think he wants, to, I think he kind of wanted to be able to say that today, but I think uh, uh, he's being disciplined about it for, I guess, lack of a better term and, and holding, holding to that standard, which is, the only thing that matters. If you don't get that, you have to keep pushing towards that standard because if you don't, then the person you name is just a name, and and that's not that's not what this is about. To be honest with you, I think I might perk up a little bit more if he doesn't. I wouldn't be shocked if next week's Wednesday press conference got moved to Monday as well, because I think I could definitely ideal. Yeah. Ideally, you probably want two weeks. With a brand new starting quarterback to start yep. preparing. Because they're going to start prep for Indiana next week. This is the last week where, he even said that this is the last week where it's just about football. Classes start next Tuesday. And they're going to move from morning practices to after evening practices. They're going to start preparing for Indiana next week. So when you start preparing for a football team, you probably want to know who you're starting 22 are across the board. And, and he didn't, outside of running, and we'll get into more of that in the second segment here, but he didn't really get into a long list of like, here are our starters after saying last week that right. maybe this past weekend was a defining weekend. So that's part of the reason I don't necessarily see it as a negative right now. Cause it's not like to your point, you probably want to know who your starting center is when you know your starting quarterback is, well, we think we it's Carson Hisman, but he didn't lock that in. You probably want to know your entire starting offensive lineman. When you pick your starting quarterback, he said that he said names, but he didn't necessarily say this is for sure what it's going to be like. All of this stuff is still open. So I think next week, if we don't know, I'm not going to say it's a problem, but I do think it starts to head in that direction of, okay, what's going on here? Because you do, he wants two weeks with a full starting unit to prepare for a football season. And he has shown that the last two times he picked a starting quarterback. Yeah, we keep talking about this 2021 timeline. I keep I keep talking about the 2021 timeline because it's instructive. And it was a closer situation to this than 2019 was. But in 2019, and I know this because it was my first day on the job for Cleveland.com, yep. he named the starter on the Monday before the first game week. Yep. So like exactly what you're talking about. That was the first that was the day. It was the first day he acknowledged that Justin Fields, former perfectly rated quarterback prospect who was competing only against future like middle school football coaches to be Ohio State hey, starter man, that year. Gunnar Hoke is 100% <laughs> completion complete percentage in his career. Okay. You're right. Right. Uh, so do I. I'm, I'm perfect. I have not thrown it in completion in Ohio State. Um, like he did not acknowledge that until the Monday before the first, before the first game week. So two game, two weeks left. And again, what was the point there? Because, why you you knew what you had behind him. You had to push those guys as far as possible before you could name a starter. And some of it's just is just the the formality of everything and, and they get to make their own timeline, whatever. But I think you're right. I think next week, if we don't have some indication by Monday 
certainly by Wednesday. When we talk to him by next Wednesday, that would, I think, be, if, if we don't talk to him until Wednesday, that would kind of be the day where I'm like, okay, wait a second, what is going on? He's saying all these things right now about, well, if you don't, if nobody steps up, what are you going to do? You might just have to play two. You might just have to push the the thing into the season. You might just have to all these all these these hypotheticals. I don't believe for a second that he actually wants to indulge any of those hypotheticals. That would be awful. I mean, Ohio State's done that hypothetical, and it did not work, and it helped cost him a chance to go back to back. And this is a quarterback coach trying to. That's not. He keeps even if he keeps. Doing the if we, you know if we have to do it you know I think he said yeah. you you have to have a plan he did say that but he also starts every single one of those answers with it's not ideal so it's yeah. not what he wants to happen here now when it didn't work in 2015 again you had the quarterback who saved Ohio State's butt and had a great year and then the quarterback who saved their butt Same again and led him to the national championship <laughs> you had two guys who had like yeah. a very legitimate claim to being the starter. And right now, neither one of these guys has anywhere near that legitimate of claim to be the starter. So I I think you could handle it. I mean, again, Michigan did it last year. There's a way to handle that and have it work. I just don't mm-hmm. know if this time, if that timeline works for Ohio State, because you're not starting with the dumpster fires that Michigan starts its schedule with. You're starting with a, a Big Ten. I mean, it's a dumpster fire still in Indiana, but it's a Big Ten dumpster fire on the road. I don't think you take that chance. I think you want your team in place. I think you want your identity building for the, before that game big 10 dumpster fires we stink just a little bit less i think i, I you've brought up the michigan thing a couple of times and i i don't totally disagree with you but i would say that the michigan situation is similar to ohio state 2015 than it is ohio state this year because even with the way because we, we were there at hardball the way he talked about Cade mcnamara that felt as much as it was a competition a competition a lot of it was Cade McNamara was the starting quarterback for a team who beat Ohio State for the first time in a decade, and he had done so much for the program, he owed him that opportunity. And J.J. McCarthy was the uprising guy who was the future quarterback. Once That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about one guy who has been in the program for three years and has thrown the ball 60 times, and another guy who's been here a year and has thrown the ball zero times. So I, I still think it is it's a little unique thing that I wouldn't necessarily even put the Michigan part on. I think that's it, quarterback-wise. Maybe we'll know next week, and if not, then maybe we'll have a different conversation about that. When we come back, Ryan Day also didn't necessarily lock in on other positions except one. There was one position where he got asked who the starter was going to be, and he emphatically claimed who it was going to be. And we'll reveal that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. Nathan... Travion Henderson is Ohio State starting running back. Shocker. Right? That who the biggest shock in the world. Who would have saw that coming? Yeah, I don't know why none of us followed up and then asked like approximately how many yards do you think he'll get? <laughs> um just to see if if he wanted to jump in on market down Monday. No, I mean this is how we've all foreseen this I think being handled, right? And mm-hmm. but what I think is interesting is Last year, because of the injuries, but also because of how the injuries were making him run, they did not talk about, from from what I'm remembering, and maybe you can correct me, Stephen, if you think I'm wrong, I didn't feel like they talked about Henderson and Williams with the same separation. In fact, it was a lot of talk about how well Mayan Williams was running the ball and how 
thank God he was, because that was kind of helping keep that room afloat. And it's it says something right now that Ryan Day now on multiple occasions, and, and, and listen, let's let's not pretend that some of this maybe isn't trying to make up for the way some things yep. went down last year. I, I absolutely think that that's the case, where you know there was a disconnect between Trevin Henderson and this coaching staff, and it nearly ended up with him not being at Ohio State anymore, and he was getting very frustrated, and they were frustrated. And there was just a lack of communication or some miscommunications and some, some things went down as, as Steven's been telling you. And, and we've talked about before. So I think some of that is there is coded in the way that he's talking about Trevor Henderson right now, but I also don't think he'd come out and blow smoke to the extent that which he is sort of raving about Trevor Henderson. And he was talking today about the, the, what would, the, the phrase that jumped out because we talked about it so much last year, the phrase that jumped out was like, he's seeing the holes or he's hitting the holes, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was like, Oh, that's because that's what he wasn't doing last year. And it was the thing that was making Ryan day uh, might've been the thing that would have finally turned his beard gray. Like it was, it was, he was losing his mind that he was not hitting any of those holes. And it was a problem for this offense. And now that's what, you know, he is seeing that. And I think just seeing that alone opens a lot of things. It opens a lot of possibilities for what Trevian Henderson could be as a starter this year. So it's only it's playing out according to what we thought. It is interesting then that when he was asked, because the question was posed, well, how do you line those guys up? One, two, three, four, five. It was like pecking order. Trevian, 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 Trevian. Love him. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, and then everybody else will find time for him. And that I thought was a little weird. I would still think that that's Mayan Williams' job as the secondary guy and then you find time for all the other people but i'm not at practice i don't know and trevin and my williams isn't always at practice that's an important thing um he's been he's been banged up and missed some time so mm-hmm. maybe that's something that although as a veteran those guys sometimes get a little leeway in camp anyway but maybe that's part of that too he my Williams was not at practice on Friday. We weren't at the scrimmage on Saturday, so we don't know if he was there or not. Zylee Williams was also not at practice on Friday. He said that neither one of those were considered long-term things. But the entire quote for Ryan Day, he got asked, what's the pecking order? So the question was, shout out to, that was asked by Clay Hall, TV guy. Shout out to the TV guys with the great questions. First off, Trey has had a great offseason, and he's had a great first 10 days of practice. I think he looks fast. He's seeing the holes. He's also involved on special teams, which, okay, cool. I don't know. He he was a kick returner for one play in 2021, and then he we never saw him again, so whatever, to that part. I can't say enough about the kind of work he's put putting in right now. Now he's got to go do it, and I know he's anxious to get back on the field. And then to your point, Nate, that he followed up. From there, I think Mayan and Dallas, Chip and De- Evan, those guys will all get in the game. There's a lot of different ways we can do that. We'll let them keep working, but there's – there will be opportunity. And then he went on a whole spiel about, you know, how last year, what he even asked. You remember how last year went, right? And you halfway through the year, you're trying to look for, you're trying to find a running back. You're looking for your running backs. And so, but he is not talking about this room like they're going to purposefully use the depth, right? I think we talked about this when we did the, on the market down Monday, where it's not, "Mm, this guy's going to get 15 carries. This guy's going to get 10 carries. This guy's going to get six. This guy's going to get five. It's if Travion Henderson is healthy, he's getting the ball and it's cause he's, he's healthy. And we talked about this a lot last year. Was he not seeing the holes because maybe it was the JK Dobbins thing where he was just regressing as a player a little bit, 
or was he not seeing the holes because he saw the hole, couldn't plant his foot in the ground and actually go hit the hole. And so he was bouncing outside all the time. So if he's healthy and he's seeing the hole and he's actually hitting the hole, then the way Ryan Day has talked about him on Monday, how he talked about him in Indianapolis at Big Ten Media Days, the way Trey yeah, Henderson talked about himself, the way uh, Tony Offord talked about him. I think not only, Andrew, do we know who the starting running back is, but we it, it seems like we know how this is going to play out. And this is Travion Henderson's ball as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I think I had, I think I projected, if I'm not mistaken, when we did our market down Monday pod, I, I think I had Travion as the least, getting the least amount of yards of all three of us. I don't feel better about that prediction than I did uh, when we did that pod. Um, I would, I'm not going to cast it off because I do think, you know, if Travion Henderson's, I mean, Travion Henderson, assuming like, let's just say he's healthy, like you're not putting him in the game when it's 38 to seven against Indiana in the third quarter, right? Like that might be the time to, Hey, let's, let's get some other guys, some, some work here. But yeah, I, I mean, you're talking about a guy who, yeah, I took the same thing you did from it. I mean, I think it's, it was impossible not to like, if, if he's healthy, he's on the field. If he's not exhausted, he's on the field. Like if the game is at all in doubt or it's early in a game, Travion Henderson's the guy who's getting the football at, uh, at the running back spot. So that, that was what I took from this. You know, I do think that there is, uh, I do think that there, there not a possibility. I, I mean, I, I think that you have to work in other running backs. Um, you know, you, you're going to have to get in certain guys, but yeah, like you said, I think that there, you can kind of dispel this notion. I think at this point of, Hey, we need to get this guy X snaps and this guy X carries and this guy X touches and whatever. Like if Travion is available and ready to take the ball on a running play, he's probably going to be the one to do it. So Nathan, that's one spot that is clear. Well, we probably knew that to begin with. He talked about the offensive line, though, and he said that we'll have a better picture of that. I think a better feel for that by the end of the week. But we saw some changes on Friday, and he didn't necessarily lock those in on Monday when he got asked about those tackle spots or that center spot. Well, so the, he, he didn't lock it down as far as like saying this guy's a starter. But he was asked, because he was talking about Jimmy Simmons at left tackle and Josh Fryer at right tackle, and somebody followed up and asked, so is that where those guys are going to line up? Is that what you're expecting? Is that how, where those guys are going to play? And he said, if I had to say one way or the other today, yes. And that, to me, that was almost like hearing him say separation about the quarterbacks. Because... If you think about it, if he's so if that's where it's going to be, if Simmons is going to be at left and Fryer's going to be at right, well, Fryer's going to beat out Zen Mahalski at right tackle. Like, that's just over. No, no offense to Zen, it's just over. Like, he's better than him. And at left tackle, now Tegra Shabola is the one that repping at left tackle. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting mm-hmm. Montgomery in there, too. Luke Montgomery at, at right tackle, actually, more as much mm-hmm. or more than Zen Mahalski. But Fryer's going to beat those guys out to start on opening day. And then at left tackle, he's talking about Tegra Shabola. Well, Tegra Shabola was a guard last year, and he was a right tackle all spring. And I have, I'm have i a Tegra Shabola fan. I think he's going to be a very good football player. It's always He's one of those guys that even around a bunch of other big guys, you always kind of do a little flinch when you see Tegra Shabola because he's just massive. 
And I think he's going to fit in well in this offensive line somewhere for the next couple of years. But like you just moved him to left tackle a week ago, and now you're going to tell me he's going to maybe going to beat out a guy who was starting somewhere in college last year, and 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 they've said that they're very excited about. So I would pretty much call the left and right tackle competitions at this point, right? Like, are you guys not like that's what I'm hearing? And he's I know he's not going to say it, but by default i think that's almost what he said today i think yeah. the offensive line is set i'm, I'm gonna throw carson hensman i understand that cutler yeah. has maybe made some strides this summer but carson hensman has been working with the ones for nine months now i think that i think that's set. i think the offensive line is jimmy simmons donovan jackson carson hensman matthew jones and Carson and excuse me, Josh Fryer. And then now you're having a conversation for who's number six. And it's like, it's probably Tegra Shibola, Luke Montgomery, Enoch Vamahi. One of those three maybe emerges as your sixth guy. Maybe Enoch Vamahi on the interior while it's either, or Vic Cutler on the interior with Tegra Shibola and Luke Montgomery fighting it out to be the, in the tackle spots. I think that's pretty locked in as well. I agree with that. It's also the one place we marked it down who we thought the starting 22 was. It's the only spot so far where I really do wish that we could have been able to wait for a couple of weeks. So not that much has changed, but some has changed in a way that's made me think of some things maybe in a different way. Andrew, do you, but are you of the same mind that we know the only spot we don't know from a starting standpoint at this point is quarterback? Yeah. I mean, well, and the other thing too, Ryan also said, if I'm not mistaken, he was talking about the right tackle gig or the left and right tackle gig, and somebody asked him, like, would you move Fryer back? Like, would you flip mm-hmm. these guys left and right? And I think he said no, if, if memory serves. Like, he he wasn't, you know, he seemed pretty committed that the guys, that the sides that they're on now is the sides that they're going to be on. So you have that. You have everything that we've seen. You've got the the, the comments from, the, like, yeah, the, the offensive line thing is settled. You know the offensive line. We knew the secondary, like the day the day that camp started, we knew the linebacking core, we knew the starting defensive line. Well, we think we know the starting defensive line. Um, but then either way, that's going to be, you know, there's going to be some rotation there. And yeah, I think quarterback's it just because you look at the offensive line. I think I mentioned this on a previous pod. I wonder how much of the offensive line kind of musical chairs, I wonder how much of that was figuring out who could be a swing. Who's who's better on the left? Who's better on the right? Like you know, if if Simmons goes down, does Fryer kick over to the left side? And now you have a new right tackle. Are you comfortable with putting Montgomery in as your left tackle, or vice versa? If if Fryer goes down, does Montgomery play the right? Like I think that that was probably a little bit of what that was because I mean you know you never you know you never want to plan for injuries. But um, you, you kind of have to. So I think that when you talk about that, I wonder how much of that, you know, kind of early in camp stuff was just, hey, let's see what Simmons can do on the right. Let's see what he can do on the left. Let's see what, you know, these guys can do and, you know, build some contingency plans here. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I think that that's probably what a little bit of that was. And now you're now you're set on on the offensive line, I think it looks like. I don't know if I agree with that part. I think that Davis Simmons was had just gotten here, and so sure. you maybe start him out on the right side because he's still trying to learn stuff, and you'd rather have him on the non-money side position of the offensive line. I think they were just trying to find their best five, and this is what they did in finding it. I think 
Tagore Shabola moving over the left tackle is interesting for me because I don't think you move Josh Fryer if something happens with Jimmy, if he gets abducted by aliens. I think they are repping Tegra Shabola as the left tackle. If something happens to Jimmy Simmons, Tegra Shabola just moves up and he's your starting left tackle and Josh Fryer stays put and vice versa. I think if Josh Fryer gets hurt, I think Luke Montgomery is up next at right tackle because they don't – I understand swing, but they don't do that as often. They rep guys at one other spot that they think that they're going to be best at mm-hmm. for what they bring that year. So I just think – I think Josh Fryer has spent three years working at right tackle mostly. Now, he's moved around the other spots. I think he was inside at one point. But for the most part, he's been your right tackle, so he's probably your best option there. Jimmy Simmons probably showed you some things over these first 10 practices that let you feel like he can be your left tackle while with Luke Montgomery being a true freshman, it's probably best. He's at right tackle right now while Tegra Shabola, as I've said on previous spots, he looks it right. He looks like a dude who has some first round potential. The question is, can he tap into it? So if you think he can tap into that while also repping with the tools that helps you in the, cause as Ryan day said, I think a couple weeks ago, this isn't just about finding for now. They're also working for the future. So just because a team a guy is the best option even this year doesn't mean he's going to be the the best option a year from now. And um you know, exactly. And Integra Shabola I think is interesting too because I have always been operating under the assumption that he is a starter next year somewhere. Yeah. But I think it could, I mean he played guard all of last year and he's a he's a big guard, man. But that yeah. also tells you that if he can move like a guard and he is that big, then you might have something. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that he goes to left tackle, especially because you would presume that that means because Jimmy Simmons isn't a one year and done situation at left tackle either, or at least on your offensive line in general. He's got a couple years mm-hmm. to work with here. So is it is it a sign that Shabola has had a little bit of a breakthrough? just in terms of being the all-around offensive lineman that they want. Yeah, like we, we focus so much on the thing that's like right in front of us. But like I think we could be talking next year when Tegra Shabola is like the starting left guard behind because Donovan Jackson leaves the NFL. We're hearing him say, yeah, last year in preseason camp, when they moved me to left tackle, that really helped set me up for this in this way, this mm-hmm. way, this way. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm already kind of thinking ahead to that. So that's a behind-the-scenes thing. and. It is interesting to think about. I think you're right. If something were to happen at left, would they just move Fryer over? I don't know. But um, I I, kind of have my ear open for what they're saying about Shabola now. By the way, we should just say also, you guys are all listening to this Tuesday morning. Tuesday midday, we're talking to Josh Fryer. I mean, we're talking, well, we're talking to Josh Fryer, but we're also talking to (laughs) Justin Fry, (laughs) which is what I meant to say there, and all these other offensive linemen. Uh, in our Tuesday interviews. So we'll be texting you midday. Get the text, 614-350-3315. And, and Wednesday's pod will be a lot about what these guys told us about what's been happening at all of these practices that we haven't been able to see that has led to all these things that they then tell us later. Great plug. I think the only other spot where he mentioned some things was tight end, where obviously Cade Stover is a starter. Uh, Joe Royer hasn't been practicing as he's been dealing with some things, but he did say this is probably the best. That they, he said G Scott has been at his best. So it sounds like they've got some options now at tight end. They've got the depth they need because those are going to be your top three. And if Joe Royer is not practicing, that's giving G Scott a chance to move up to number two. We're going to take one more break. 
And when we come back, I have a question for Nathan Baird specifically and just about his, you know, state of mind and how he's feeling about things. So I'll reveal what that is when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Back on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. The AP poll, preseason poll, came out today. Ohio State is ranked third. The top four are Georgia, number one, Michigan, number two, Ohio State, third, Alabama, number four. Nathan, you did not have a say in that. Not voting this year in the poll, are you sad that you don't have a say in that? Or are you happy and stress-free about this situation? So the preseason poll is actually not that hard. Mm. Preseason poll, you have a couple of weeks to, to do it. Really, you've got your whole – I mean, I could have been working on it since last – January, if I wanted to. And that's really not that hard. You can go off of all of the various rankings that smart people do out there from from tissue to, you know, uh, SP plus like all those sort of computer based things. And you can get something together and then just based on your own reads of the best players and, and come up with something. It's just so it was kind of I actually don't mind voting in the preseason one. And especially when you get to like put out there like, Oh, this is the team that I actually am higher on than other people. And people are like, Whoa, what are you doing? Why do you have Penn state so high? And then you look at the end of the year and you're like, Oh, that's why I had them so high. Um, by the way, there's plenty of other things that I screwed up last year, but I'm, I'm just going to take the W on being pretty right about how good Penn state was. And, but it's the week, week, <laughs> week after week, after week, after week, that Sunday morning is, is really not fun. Um, when you, it was already kind of not fun when I didn't have a 15 month old. It's, I was, I was mm-hmm. looking into the future and seeing that it was going to be just maddeningly unfun with a 15 month old and decided to pass it off, at least for now. So yeah, cleveland.com doesn't have a vote this year. Doug was going to do it, but then obviously Doug moved to another endeavor where they're not an AP member. You have to be an AP member to, to vote in the poll. So um, we, we are passing that off this year. We'll report on the poll. We will mock the poll when necessary, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I am fine with not voting in the poll. For so House has got four teams on its schedule who are in the AP poll, Notre Dame, uh, in the preseason poll. That's not saying that they will be in the poll by the time they play them, but at number 13, Notre Dame is the first one at home against number seven, Penn State, on the road against number 19, Wisconsin, and as I already mentioned, Michigan. Nathan, you didn't vote. But I don't know if you've turned those exercise mus- those muscles off in your memory yet. I'll ask both of you, and Nathan, you can go first. Where would you have put Ohio State, and then where what would have been your top four? It's a great question. Doug and I talked about this on one of his last pods. It was a Monday Madness, I think. I don't remember what I said. <laughs> Buckeye talk. Um, I think so. Georgia got sixty of sixty-three first place votes. Indeed, they did in the AP poll, and I kind of think—is it possible that I both think that that's too many, but that I also might have just voted for them number one? Uh, <laughs> I think I was probably, probably gonna would have voted Georgia number one, and then it's your decision between Ohio State and Michigan for number two, and I picked Ohio State to beat Michigan in the when we did the Big Ten standings, so. I guess I would probably have put Ohio State two. I would have put both of them ahead of Alabama and FSU and LSU and USC. I think they all deserve to be above them. 
So it's really, to me, an Ohio State-Michigan question. And I think I would have picked Ohio State over Michigan, but it's kind of a coin toss. I think I want to put Michigan first just because, I mean, they won the last game. And I everybody votes would have – you know, when you vote on stuff, I vote in the basketball poll. When you vote – everybody votes differently, right, in how you go about your criteria. And for me, when I do the basketball ones, it's just as much about where your resume is right now, where it is – but it's your resume right now, but also just where the vibe is right now. And the vibe is Georgia and Michigan are the best two teams in college football right now. That can easily change in a couple of weeks. But right now, that's where the vibe is. And I, I do agree with you. When you see Georgia got 60 first place votes, Michigan got two, Ohio State got one. Ohio State getting one. That was, I don't know if I agree with that one, but Georgia getting 60 of them sounds crazy. Except they're the two time reigning national champions. So maybe they should have gotten 60. Except and, they lost their quarterback and decent parts of their defense, so maybe they shouldn't have got 60. It's a weird balance with them right now because they have just as much new as Ohio State and Alabama do. They just have held up a trophy the last two years. Yeah, you get some benefit of the doubt for that. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. For the preseason poll, I think that's fair. And and I very much, to a maddening degree to some people, was a resume voter these past several years in the AP poll. It's the best way to vote. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's the only way to vote. I don't know what other people do, but uh, and, and it's one of the reasons why it took so long every Saturday night slash Sunday morning. But I see what you're saying. It's just, I, I try not to get too wrapped up in the, the vibe. It's just for preseason, you have to. Mm-hmm. Preseason, there has to be a little bit of a, of, of re- trying to read that vibe of where things are headed. That's why people are high on Florida State. That's why people are high on LSU. It isn't necessarily a bunch of things that they did well last year. It's kind of the vibe that, that is carrying both of those two right now. There's actually kind of a vibe out there for Penn State. Penn State being number seven in this poll. So mm-hmm. that's three big 10 teams in the top seven. Uh, then, then then you have to go all the way down to 19 to catch another one. But like three big 10, te- three big 10 East teams in the top seven. And each of those things sort of props up the others. So I think I probably would have still put Ohio State ahead of Michigan, but I it's one of those years where I can't really argue with any one of those three teams getting preseason number ones. I would probably vote against Alabama being worthy of a preseason number one vote. I think they got some in the coaches poll though. In the coaches poll, yes. They their highest in the AP poll was two and their lowest was seventh, which was also Ohio State's lowest. Andrew, you're new to this but I mean, you watch college football, so if you had an AP vote, where would you? What would have been your top four? But also, where in Ohio State do they? Where does Ohio State fit into that, or do they fit into that for you? Uh, okay yeah, well, I'm, so just first things first, I, I pulled up while you guys were talking. Uh, Reddit College Football does a breakdown every week, so I pulled that up. So if you're any Ohio State fans looking to thank the one voter who voted Ohio State first, Robert Cessna of the Bryan College Station Eagle does not have a Twitter. Yes. So you're going to have to find mm. another way to uh, to thank Mr. Robert. Uh, but he was the only one. Um, no and then Michigan card. got the other two, like you said. I would have went – I would have went Georgia one. I don't know how you don't put them one at this point. I mean, back-to-back national champions. They're – I mean, they've returned talent every single year. I, I, I would have put them one. Uh, Michigan two, Ohio State three. I would have put USC fourth. And then I would have put Bama fifth for just for to round out the top five. The reason is the reason I would have put USC fourth is because I don't know how like I look at USC 
and I see maybe the best player in the country. And certainly in my view, like one of the most influential players in the country. Like I know there's a lot of people who really like Drake may, um, but Caleb Williams is really, really special. And Caleb Williams with Lincoln Riley is really, really special combo. Um, so I, I like USC this year. I, I would have put them fourth. Um, if I had a vote, I, I think that they're, I still have questions about USC. I think that they're, you know, if you were kind of doing a tier break, I, I probably would have put Georgia in the first tier and then Ohio State and Michigan in that second tier. And then you get to another tier where USC and Alabama kind of are. I don't know about USC's defense. Um, their defense was not that great that she, last year. Excuse me. I don't know how they're going to hold up on the lines. I got some questions about USC, but you've also got, you know, Caleb Williams. And that that matters a lot. Who's starting a quarterback for Alabama? Jalen Milrow? Tyler Buckner? Like, I, Ty I don't Simpson's feel, also in that battle. I don't feel I don't feel great about either one of those guys. Uh, you know, I, I don't think either one of them are. I, I I'll put it like this: If we were debating a Milrow Buckner, and then who who else was the other guy that you said, Stephen? Ty Simpson, former top one hundred recruit in the twenty twenty two class. Sure, but if so, it, I'll say this: If that was the quarterback battle happening in Columbus, and not McCord and Brown. I would be more worried about that in Alabama than I would be about what Ohio State has. Um, so, you know, that that I think I'm, I would just be concerned about. Uh, there are some people who say Alabama is going to go like nine and three this year. That no, I don't. I think that that's kind of ridiculous. But um, yeah, that would have been that would have been my top five. Um, but again, it, what what were last year's pre? Notre Dame was fifth. Texas A and M was sixth. Or Texas A and M was fifth. Notre Dame was whatever it was. Like these preseason polls, it's so fun to talk about. And then within three weeks, you can probably yeah. go back and look at this and be like, "Oh wow, holy crap!" Were a lot of us wrong? Because like LSU and Florida State play each other early. It's like one of them is going to lose. Um, you know, you're going to have some some teams go down early. So it's uh. It's always a fun exercise to look back at it and just be like, oh, man, we were really wrong. So seven straight the year that Ohio State is in the top five of the preseason poll. They've done that, all, done that in the playoff era. They've done that all but one year, and that was 2016 when they were six in the preseason poll. So that's enough talk on that. That should wrap up another Buckeye talk. Like Nathan said, we'll be talking with offensive linemen on Tuesday as you're listening to this. So sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. All that information is going to your phone first before we text, before we write a story about it, before we do a video about it, before we pod about it. It'll be going there first. And I think outside of quarterback, I think this is probably the second most interesting group on offense just because we kind of know the answers at the other groups even if the people are a little bit more exciting but it'll be the first time we talk with jimmy simmons or Vic cutler since they got on campus while also getting in. maybe we get luke montgomery they're a little iffy with the freshmen but that'll do it for nathan for andrew i'm steven and that was buckeye talk <laughs>